not in Kansas anymore. You have my curiosity. Are you telling me you built a time machine? The force will be with you. Welcome back to Get Real, the podcast where we get real about all of our favourite pop culture films and TV shows. I am our leading lady, Chris, and with me as always is my Back from the Dead co-host, Sam. There was a distinct lack of that in this film. No, there wasn't. It was in there twice. Oh, I was, uh... <laughs> I'm an idiot. Did uh, I fall asleep in the cinema? No. <laughs> so, if you had a guest by uh, that, by that, um, we're talking all about Wonder Woman yes. 1984 or WW84, however you want to... I refer to the film. Or is it Wonder um, Woman 84? What's the actual official title for this film? Oh, it is I mean, Wonder Woman 1984. On screen it said WW84, but now I'm seeing all the headlines are saying Wonder Woman 1984. It is Wonder Woman 1984. Okay. But okay. it just says WW84 on everything. That is, the distinct, that is the official the official title of this film. And the also, Chris, this is our official one-year episode of the pod. We did it! We did it, everybody! Take a bow! Pat yourselves on the back! Uh, we I'm did gonna, it! I'm going to hand you Sam, your award. I didn't get you! Oh, thank I'm you! Gonna, here's your award for doing a year of podcasting, Chris. Here oh, you. Jesus Christ, that's heavy! Oh, oh I should have um, I'd like to thank. Um, I'd like to thank Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody that helped this get made. The casting director who hired me, thank you so much. Um, my wife and kids that my girlfriend doesn't know about. Um, so, uh, what? <laughs> sorry, what? <laughs> I would like to thank the pub we sat in those many, many moons ago. <laughs> When we said, yeah, when we said, wouldn't it be a good idea to start a podcast? And here we are, mate. We've we've kept to something for a year. We have a full year. We this lasted longer than any of the YouTube channels did. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a good time, and also it's been Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, and it's New Year this week. So have a nice New Year as well. While we're mentioning it, right up at the top. Um, Also, I didn't get you an anniversary present for the podcast, but. I'd like to say well done. It was so successful. We've got a second podcast. Oh. Oh. We've got a spin-off. Sam, our show was good enough that we got a spin-off. Gee, we had people. <laughs> Troy and Arbed would be going mental. We had two friends that were thought we want to do that as well because we did it. Or maybe they wanted to do it the whole time. I don't know. We were trendsetters. We were trendsetters. <laughs> we, we set the trend of a podcast like five years too late. That's what we've done. <laughs> We literally, we sat in my local and we were like, just having dinner and just there like, we should start a podcast. Like, we were talking about our theories of Rise of Skywalker before we went to see it, weren't we? Yeah. yeah. Here we are. A, a year later, we'll tell you the origin story. And we were like, <laughs> we were like, yeah, like, we could talk so much about this. And I was like, I've already had ideas for names for a podcast. And you were like, we should do a podcast. And I was like, should we do a podcast? And you were like, there's no reason to do a podcast. It was like... And then we we the literally thing, just started yeah. like opening notes, start writing random names for the podcast. Yeah. The thing was is that we were already pretty much doing it, just not in front of a microphone and talking to each other. <laughs> it was just like we would talk that long about films and stuff anyway and speculative on stuff. And It was just normally while we were playing COD. Yeah, it was literally just <laughs> while we were playing COD. 
But wow, what a what a time it's been, mate! It's been a good time, and here's to many more years, hopefully. Cheers. Let me cheers. Cheers to that, bro. Uh, let me get two two things <laughs> together. I can make a cheer. There, oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Did you break something? <laughs> no, I tried to hit uh, my mug with a toothpick, and it didn't. Do <laughs> a toothpick. <laughs> oh, Here we are. Anyway, but um, yeah, um, we're also just a heads up. We're recording this a week early because we want to have a bit of time off over Christmas. So we're actually recording this on uh, well, like five days before Christmas. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we're on doing the that five days of Christmas. <laughs> Get real gave to me a podcast about Wonder Woman. So yeah, we uh, we had the chance to watch Wonder Woman nice and early in the UK, which was a in nice surprise. Cinema? In the cinema. cinema, we went to the, went to the bloody fuck cinema. That HBO bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> See it on the big screen like it was intended to be. <laughs> I got you that uh, one, didn't I? Yeah, I just wasn't expecting you to get so animated over it. <laughs> Uh, a quick little bit um, before we talk about Wonder Woman 84. Uh, the only bit of news that has come out between the last two episodes, because we're recording these pretty much back to back and I've only just seen the article. Um, Patty Jenkins has said that originally she planned for a much different ending to the original Wonder Woman, but Warner Brothers pushed for a bigger fight uh, sequence with Ares at the end of the original. Um, she said she grew to love it, um, but it wasn't what she wanted. Um, and it seems to be like the most divisive thing about the original film to most of the audience. Um, and she kind of really agreed with what most people were saying. That's uh, apparently it was going to be much smaller. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, um, just, okay. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. just reading to see if they gave any details on what the original ending was meant to be. I was, but, I was just uh, making she sure you were still happy about the story you were telling and just quickly making sure you weren't just all of a sudden going to be like, ah, it's all bullshit, sorry. Everyone. <laughs> no, no, I was just making sure that we didn't have like, oh, this is what would have happened. <laughs> um, no. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I liked the original, but I think that final fight was definitely the... The weakest part of the film. Well, um, it was the big grey monster CGI, lots of smoke clouds. Exactly. Business on it, so... Um, this film ended very differently to that. Very different. I will say. Very different. Uh, shall we jump right into Wonder Woman 84? Uh, Non-spoilers to begin with. Well, what, There's what? a brand new film out in cinemas, guys, with spoilers. Well, do you want to try and predict what the news would be next week? Because... <laughs> We're not doing um, the news. Twenty thousand more new Star Wars series have been announced. Very We've got good. more leaked set photos <laughs> from Spider Man and um, uh, the population of planet Earth is reprising uh, its role as the population of planet Earth in Spider Man Three. <laughs> You're a Spider Man. You're a Spider Man. You're a Spider Man. Oh God. Um, right. Anyway, yeah, Wonder Woman ninety eight four. Let's. Go. Uh, we'll do spoilers, then we will do non-spoilers. Oh no, the other way around. We'll do spo- We'll do non-spoilers and then spoilers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Quick, switch off the podcast. You can't listen to it yet. You have to come back. <laughs> Just skip forty minutes into the future. <laughs> listen to that. Bit. Oh, God, no, don't man. do that. That'll be spoilers. Don't do that. Time codes right, are okay. below anyway, so you'll know when we go spoilery. Okay. Brief overview without giving anything really away. Wonder Woman's back. We've got the new setting in the 80s. Uh, we've got new characters. We've got Barbara, um, also known as Cheetah. 
Um, and we've got Maxwell Lord, which was a very different version of Maxwell Lord, I'll say, from what I know of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, a rollicking 80s, like, beautiful visually. Um, yeah. Like, all the 80s colour palette instead of the dreary World War One setting. Um, yeah. Uh, where, where where do we start talking without mentioning spoilers? Uh, should we so talk about the maybe, performances? What did we think? I mean, maybe your overall... Should we talk overall take on the film first, maybe? Yeah, go on. You, see, you told me before we recorded this that I might be surprised by what you thought, so I want to hear what you thought first. <laughs> I'm a bit scared to be, bru- uh, to be brutally honest about this film, to be honest with you. Okay. Right, okay. So let me just get this straight first. I enjoyed the film, right? My thing is, is I didn't think it was as good as the first one. That's, okay, that's my that's where I kind of sit on it. Um, and when I say the first one, I don't mean the great big CGI Ares fight. I mean like the mm. first, like the first part of the film and the. You know the, the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like the actual the, heartwarming journey and yeah, everything before I mean, like we got a big lead, CGI monster. The lead up to that, the bit where uh, Diana steps up out of the trench and stuff. I just felt like there were like a lot more iconic. Well, I'll I won't say iconic moments because there was a lot of iconic moments in this one, but to me there was some more standout moments in my head that okay. for me were like a lot more, I don't know, just just resonated a lot more. So, yeah, I did really enjoy the film. I thought the characters were really interesting. I really liked, uh, I really, really enjoyed Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord. Really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it that fell a little bit flat for me. I think it was, and we'll get into it probably in spoilers, but I think maybe the the stakes of the film but also why those stakes and i think maybe the mcguffin of the film was probably the thing that kind of disappointed me just a little bit maybe and i I just didn't feel it was as strong but overall um me kind of getting that criticism out the way a little bit um i really enjoyed it i really liked the time of where it was set um the action sequences were good um, the humor was good. Um, yeah, it was a it was a nice film to go back in and watch at the cinema that wasn't Tenet. Um, yeah, because <laughs> you a you, lot more digestible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> after not being in the cinema for a while. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I yeah, it, it was it was great. It was great as a cinema experience. Um, you know, it's all it's all a very very good film. I just felt the first one was better. That's that's where I, that's where I'm at. I think that also is off the back of waiting for these films to come out for such a long time, and like yeah. kind of I think what I've maybe done with myself is like I've really kind of heightened my anticipation for the films that we've had to wait a long time for, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously I've mentally probably set that bar really really high. Where had this came out freshly after the trailers had been out. Um, you know when it was initially meant to have been released maybe i'd my expectations of this probably would have been a lot more aligned so i'm kind of kind of putting that criticism back on myself as well so uh Fair enough. i'm already doing it before you listeners are doing it too <laughs> so uh, and what uh, and i know you really rated the film mate so what did you think of the film 
I I really enjoyed it. I do agree with like some of the things that you said. I think I pref- I think I preferred the first one um because I loved like the exploration of the characters in the first one and stuff like that. Um I didn't like how the first one ended. I preferred the ending of this one. I agree. Um, I agree with you there. Um I like the message that was in this film and I liked um you could tell that like it was a woman writing women and female friendships and um it was it was very much a different battle and a different lesson for Diana to overcome in this film, which I liked. Um I think the issue was like pacing felt a little bit strange at certain points because of the stakes like you said i do agree with you with that and like the stakes felt because it was quite such a personal story a lot of the time that when we saw these massive stakes it felt a little bit strange like it felt like it was a tiny story but a massive story at the same time Mm. um yeah i i really really did enjoy it i think the first one holds a bigger place in my heart at the moment um Maybe on a subsequent viewing of this one, I might prefer this one. Um, I thought the performances were great. The writing was great. Like I said, maybe I don't necessarily think it was pacing as much. I think it was uh, trying to come to grasp with like the stakes of everything and stuff like that. I thought some of the things they pulled out in this film were so unexpected for a comic book fan um, doing certain things and stuff that... like. Like, I just didn't think were going to happen. And then when they happened, like, I, I know you saw me, like, being like, wait, what? Yeah. What? Yeah, there's what? a lot of moments that I kind of, like, looked over at you and I was a bit like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and, uh, like, at that point, like, after a certain one, I was like, they could literally do anything in this film. And then I was, like, throwing out wild speculations to you just there, like, oh, imagine if this character showed up here. And then I was like, okay, no, nobody showed up then. I should have expected that. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think, I think it was definitely a solid film, and it was a brilliant film to go back to the cinema to watch. I would say go see it on the cinema for the spectacle of it. There was what I will say about this film is it was so heartwarming. That was something that you didn't get a lot of in the first one because it was like showing like the horrors of war and um, like man's world and stuff like that. Whereas this one was able to be a bit more like earnest and like um explore love a lot more mm-hmm. um yeah and it, it led to some really beautiful moments which on a big screen really hit home yeah it it really it really hammers home and maybe this is kind of like the fact that this film really hammers home its point across like various times throughout the movie and when i say hammers it home it like it like tries to be subtle and then it kind of spells it out to you yeah at moments and i don't know whether maybe that part kind of felt like when i was watching it it kind of kind of makes you assume that the film doesn't expect you to know it unless it unless it spells it out to you i don't know whether as a viewer it was kind of like trying to be like oh and just in case you didn't know this is what this is what the the meaning I of the film thought the exact same thing while i was watching it i thought like at certain points i was like i like that it's not talking down to the audience and then when diana literally repeats a certain line i was like okay that was a little bit like like it like the light you said like it 
treated yeah. the audience a little bit stupid, like they wouldn't have connected the dots. But yeah. I'm also wondering whether they, with this sequel, they realized that there was a more of a younger audience as well there, maybe. So maybe that's what they were going for, making it more accessible. Because we saw after the success of the first one that it was really popular with young girls. So maybe they were, like, they had that in there. Not to talk down to the older audience, but to try and catch the younger audience up. Yeah, exactly. And it's not a bad thing, you know. It was just how it how uh, how it made me feel watching it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think that is like sort of like uh, this might sound a bit offensive to some people, but like as an educated viewer, you might have taken that as like you were being talked down to a bit. Um, yeah, because I'd literally had the exact same thought when we were in the screen. Yeah, and. But like, there's when when it hammers home the point the points that this movie has, like the points that it you know we were talking about how it gets the points across, but those actual points are extremely relevant and topical, and yes, it it, it hammers the, this film hammers home the points of love, greed, and um, being content. I think as well, it hammers kind of those three points across. Being grateful and um, yeah, like, definitely great. Yeah, you know, gratitude and yeah, stuff, appreciation and not and not wanting uh, more than that, and not trying mm-hmm. to be greedy. And although it drills, and also self love as well, like not just love but self love as well. Yeah, and although it absolutely drills that point home like over and over and over and over again, it's a really good point to have driven across. I think as well. Um, mm-hmm. And it is interesting, like to, to kind of move on, and the 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 era that it's set in is an interesting era to be using for that as well, because of the um, the examples it actually gives in there. Yeah, um, like the eighties was such like a generation of like things became accessible to people, and the life and luxury and excess became like the driving force for everyone like there's jokes in the film about how everybody wants a porsche <laughs> like yeah, yeah. it was it, like that was like like it was like everybody wanted the miami vice lifestyle type thing um and like it it, uh, it was a perfect setting like you were saying for that sort of narrative to be told mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um what did you right okay so that's uh that's a lot of talk about about the film so um let's um obviously uh, Gal Gadot is playing her best Wonder Woman in this. She's just, you know, brilliant. There's some bits in here what where she has moments of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not weakness, but where she's vulnerable almost. Like there's yeah. parts where you see a different side to her to her acting versus what we've seen before. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that was something yeah. we only really got in like the last act of the first film yeah. was that vulnerability to it. And I think this film did a good job of like breaking the character down to like her fundamentals to be able to show the emotion behind the Wonder Woman, like the super powered Wonder Woman. Yeah, and also like when that final act, because I'm I'm assuming we're thinking about the same point when we talk about that final act. Mm-hmm. Um, when that starts to kick in that moment is that I really, really liked that moment. Yeah. Um I just thought it was really different and I'm glad that they did something like that with with Gal Gadot and Diana Prince. I, I think different is a good way of putting it. Like 
this is very different to most superhero films um in like it is more of a morally driven story rather than good versus evil necessarily yeah it's it's like a spectrum of morals and stuff like that and also like um it is a more personal journey like it although like the whole world's at stake but it's like it doesn't feel like you know like world war Two, like the world's at war type thing yeah um it it felt more of like people's moralities were at stake like uh, once the dust has settled can people really like be proud of who they were after everything that happened mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um kristen wig was really good in this mm-hmm. she was really i really enjoyed her um her barbara like the yeah. um especially when you get her early on in the film uh, and she's got a very kind of distinct personality um that i really enjoyed and found really funny um yeah yeah i thought that was that was really good uh, almost I think it was questionably a... i thought that she was better in the first part of the film than what she was in the second part of the film um mm-hmm. but yeah no really enjoyed that throughout i think like i've seen her do dramatic roles in the past so i knew she could do dramatic roles and stuff but i think this was a nice change of pace for like having action scenes and like um being able to explore more of an evolving character mm-hmm. excuse me um because normally like she's either in a comedy where in most comedies characters don't really develop in the sort of one note um or in her dramatic roles she's normally like a secondary character Mm -hmm. um whereas this she was very much in the forefront um and seeing her being able to progress a character um and the changes and that very much ties into uh like the spoilers and the plot of the film i guess um but it did it was a really interesting role and i think it was a very smart career role for her as well being able to step out of you know like the best friend in a comedy or something like that that she's typically known for oh yeah 100 percent um can we talk about pedro pascal wow we can he was like he was one of my favorite parts of this film in many 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 different ways he yeah like based on what we've seen from him from game of thrones and the mandalorian he absolutely flexes his acting in this Mm -hmm. just like the range that he showed in one film alone like being like vulnerable like we said being like all powerful being like um like being able to go from like up there to down there like in one scene and stuff like that interacting with different characters and stuff like that he did do it amazingly um and he didn't like it felt almost effortless um, 100%. I know Charlotte. Like, so we went to see it with my girlfriend. She's never seen Pedro Pascal in anything before. She's seen a little bit of the Mandalorian, but she's never seen him take his helmet off or anything like that. Um, so she was like, he was really charismatic in it, and he was like, he play like he seems to play the charismatic characters, doesn't he? Um, mm-hmm. like like you said in Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Like he plays the characters where he just gets you on his side and stuff like that. And I think he did really well at like portraying like how a character like Maxwell Lord does the things that he does in this film. Yeah, he was just so charismatic and like in in ways where he was, you know, he was funny, he was villainous, he was um threatening, 
Uh, he was vulnerable, charming, charming. Um, yeah, just just like a really, really like he, the parts where he was on the screen and he was like progressing the story along. I was like so engrossed. Um, not to say that obviously I wasn't, but just those parts he really kind of commanded yeah. the role. Um, yeah, he was gripping yeah. and. It made sense, like, his character acting and being like that, like, as to why the story unfolds the way that it does. Like, he's not just, like, a one-note, like, I'm a bad guy, I do bad things all the time type thing. Like we said, like, he was a three-dimensional character. He was charming. Like, you can see how somebody like that gets the position that they're at. Um, It's not just, like, I'm a stereotypical one-note bad guy that only does bad things and doesn't care about anything good and stuff like that. Like Pedro Pascal seemed like the perfect casting for that sort of like charismatic with like a dark undertone character. Yeah, it kind of gave me a bit of um you know the kind of vibes you got from uh Killmonger in Black Panther. Yeah. Kind of felt like maybe they were doing a little bit of that where you yeah, kind definitely. of sim- you you definitely sympathize with the villain a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoyed that kind of take on it, and I liked how the trailers kind of didn't give you the expectation of that until you went into the film, and then it kind of hit comes in out of left field a little bit. Yeah, so, like yeah. straight away, like everything that I thought I knew about the character from the trailers were changed in like his first couple scenes, and then it's seeing like the character develop and stuff like that, uh, which I found really interesting. Uh, we got Chris Pine back as well. Yeah, in this. Yeah, that um, was interesting. It was interesting. I liked how they did his character as well. So obviously, a lot of us were wondering how Steve Tra- Steve Trevor was coming back in this film at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way they worked it was really good, and it it served a greater purpose. Um, but I think he he was just typical Chris Pine, like charming as always like he played steve trevor but with the lightness of not having a war over his head yeah which was nice to see um i really enjoyed as well while we were talking about that i really enjoyed the time period because it was almost like at parts this was like an 80s film yeah that was really cool like especially the first bit we get with wonder woman was very much like we were watching an eighties film. With that's like, exactly what I thought. It felt yeah. like it, like it was like a classic like mall action scene from an eighties film. Yeah, like it just felt like like so many parts of this film just felt you with like it felt comfortable, didn't it? It felt like like something familiar, but in a new way. Yeah, was, um, like in terms of like feel-good moments, like the winks and stuff, you know what I mean? Like, giving that cheeky wink over to, like, the little girl that she saves and stuff. It felt um, like, it felt like you know, um, Jingle All The Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger when he's yeah. becoming, like, Action Man or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember what Turbo the Man. Turbo yeah. Man, that's the one. Like, it felt like that, and, like, it was really interesting to see, like, look, we can make, like, a funny 80s romp but with a female lead in a modern day set, like not in a modern day setting, in a modern day film mm. in an eighties setting. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's cool. Um, yeah, I, I guess we could probably get onto spoilers now, right, and talk about some yeah. of the big plot points. But um, yeah, I although I've although I've been kind of a little bit critical about this film, um, it's good. 
You know what I mean? It's still good. Yeah. Go watch it. It's still fantastic. You're still gonna have I a think... great time. Um, I'm. I was. I probably just had my expectations a little bit too high. Um, but you will. You will enjoy this movie. It, it is think... very much a feel good movie. I think the criticism is warranted. I don't think it's like. It's not like when we left Birds of Prey and like that was getting so much amazing hype and we were like, yeah, it was good, but I don't think it was like worthy of that. Like this is still worthy of like everything that everyone's saying about them, but we're not gonna just jump out the window and say it's the uh, like a per- like perfect in every single way. There were certain things, and I think, like you said, in comparison to the first one, um, I think I liked some of the things they explored in the first one a lot more. This one definitely felt like it had more to say to a different audience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said, like it, they have got a younger female demographic and stuff like that. And um, I know Charlotte was really gripped by it and stuff like that. And like I said, it felt like a woman writing good female characters. Yeah. Um, so like it was an incredible film and it's definitely like better than most superhero movies. Oh, so yeah, although we yeah. had like a little bit of criticism, like it, it wasn't a bad thing at all like we're just saying some things were a little bit like peculiar like um there were some interesting choices in terms of writing and editing and stuff that maybe weren't as smooth as what you would normally get but they've they've done that on purpose yeah i don't think it like it didn't harm the overall film i think it was just like if like those little tiny creases would have been ironed out, it would have been perfection. <laughs> like, yeah, it, yeah, it was yeah. such a good film. Like, I would still rate it like I don't know, like high, like eight point nine nine out of ten type thing. Yeah, and for me, probably uh, more of like an eight out of ten, like a solid eight. Uh, but yeah. would the original Wonder I'm a Wonder massive Woman. Wonder Woman fan, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, shall we move on to spoilers then and chat yes. about some of the big spoilers? Moments? Right. So, Go what do you want to talk film? about? Well, we we need to give a we need to give people a bit more of a heads up, I guess, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go watch the film. It's coming out on streaming services soon as well. It's coming out on Christmas. Well, it came out on Christmas Day because you're listening to this afterwards. So, I mean, treat yourselves, guys. Treat yourselves. Uh, spoilers spoilers territory right everybody dies <laughs> no, i'm joking <laughs> there's nukes there's nukes everywhere uh, i mean there's there a, were nukes everywhere it's a cold war it's like black ops cold war it's Shh. like black ops cold war <laughs> okay i didn't mention this in non-spoilers although i could have mentioned it in non-spoilers i just didn't get around to it the music in this was fantastic hans zimmer did the entire score this time it was great um I wanted a bit more like eighties pop music in it. Yeah, that was the one thing I, I felt a bit disappointed by that. I was especially after yeah. the trailer. Yeah, you had uh, what did you have in the trailer? You had uh, <laughs> what is it? Uh, Flock of Seagulls, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, um, Flock, of Flock of Seagulls, the band. Yeah. Uh yeah, probably. You're probably right. I think it was. <laughs> you get me you get me confused now. Wonder Woman. It's uh it goes for trailer. Yeah. It was the same one that they used in it might not be Blue Monday, not Flock of Seagulls. Blue Monday. Blue Monday. It was the same one that they used in the Cold War trailer. Yes. Yes it was. 
like that was my only like downside was like i kind of wanted more like pop music you know like sort of like i loved the music that we got of like like this earnest like um steve trevor like exploring stuff and like childhood wonder but i think some of it might have been cool with like a like 80s synth pop yeah and stuff i was that's what i was hoping for i think because i just i I don't know i think because partly i've just played black ops cold war or for a lot (laughs) for a long time i was kind of hoping for it to really lean into the 80s stuff it kind of felt like it was it was very 80s at the beginning and then that kind of started to trail off like yeah i feel like they didn't want to overplay it a little bit too much like don't make it too much of like a a cringy nostalgia fest although i did want would have been good that scene when she's literally she's literally riding the lightning ride the lightning came out in 1983 why didn't they play metallica's ride the lightning that would have been such a cool fucking thing (laughs) oh god like imagine imagine watching wonder woman and metallica comes on yeah fucking do it like it'd be cool but like, i'd be like if, if that had led into like a epic well it did lead into like an epic fight like yeah if that was like like that would get you fucking pumped yeah I mean, that's yeah, coming yeah. from too much Halica fans though so <laughs> oh, i agree with you i get it i get it like when somebody literally rides the lightning you want to hear ride the lightning yeah give it to me <laughs> you sounded like Arnie then. <laughs> Come been... on, give it to Man, me. Get to the chopper. There was a lot Come of getting to the chopper in this film. <laughs> get this man a chopper. Look <laughs> at Chadwick Boseman came back to reprise his role as Get This Man to a Chopper. <laughs> oh, that's another film that's come out recently, uh, getting reviews. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, oh. I haven't seen it released yet, but I've seen reviews coming out for it. Anyway. anyway. Um, should we actually get into some spoiler territory for Wonder yeah, Woman? Yeah, we're getting into spoiler territory. I think I already spoiled it, so it's <laughs> I already said there was nukes. <laughs> um right, what do you want to talk about first in terms of spoilers? Um should we go should we talk about like the MacGuffin of the film first so that people yeah. got a basis? Oh on? yeah, yeah. Let me explain so let me explain stone. more about my, my criticism that I had earlier. So the criticism that I had that the MacGuffin that I didn't like was the whole wishing thing, and it it I get that that was the point of it that you wished into you know the stone and and Maxwell Lord was the stone and but all it I took, thought that was really smart. That was yeah, that was incredible. That was an smart. interesting twist. He was like, I wish I was the stone. I was like, big brain plays. Yeah, I had no problem. IQ. I had no problems with that part. My part was that all it took was everybody to renounce the wishes to fix it. Like, I don't know, like, it just felt a bit cheese. And... I mean, I liked yeah. I liked that because, like, it made it more of, like, an emotional, personal choice. It wasn't just how hard you could punch the situation. Yeah, um, yeah. It I just... think it would have been better if we saw more people renounce the wish other than just Maxwell. Like, he renounced his wish. And that was what undid everything because he was the catalyst for everything. Yeah, um, I think. I it, think if we had saw a few more people renounce it, I just think it felt a bit Disney fairy tale to me. I think that's what I was. But I think that's because the last Wonder Woman film was when World War One. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It was just, and that was like I say, that's my expectations that were wrong. You know, like don't don't shoot the messenger, please. But. <laughs> um, 
yeah the the MacGuffin was 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 cool uh, for the beginning, and then to me it got a bit odd at, at the end. But yeah. I, th- I think the bit that I didn't like about the whole wish thing was the fact that like Max was basically just making wishes. Was like, oh, you wish that for me, don't you? It was like I would have liked to see him be a bit more charming, like because like in like the second or third act, he's basically just like a madman running around, like sweating, bleeding, and stuff like that. And, like, I would have liked to see him maybe be a bit more charismatic and use that charismatic side that we saw earlier on instead of him just sweating just there, like, I'll fucking give you anything you want. Like, he turned into Gollum almost towards the end. Yeah, did, like, you, it, did, did you have that feeling that when we were getting, you know, as he was at the end and then he was going a bit crazy, did you think we were about... Because they alluded to this god of greed, right? Well, yeah, I was like on the fence thinking, is he going to become a big grey monster god? <laughs> I, I thought maybe we're going to get like, you know, El Diablo from Suicide Squad, like this god just rips out of him or yeah. something. I was I like, thought... I wouldn't put it past DC for that to have happened. Okay, so we haven't talked about Cheetah yet, but that fight with Cheetah ended quite quickly. So I thought maybe like, because... I went into it thinking it was going to end the same way that all superhero films were just a big punch out against the main villain, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, I, like, instead of like him being talked down, which I really enjoyed, um, I thought, like, yeah, like you said, maybe like he was going to turn, like he was going to use all these wishes, and like he was like being manipulated by this god and stuff like that. That like he was going to end up like turning, like, like end up getting shredded or get superpowers himself or something. Yeah, that's what I was waiting. I was waiting for like a fist fight between Maxwell and Diana. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I get why they didn't. And I, to be honest with you, I'm kind of glad that they didn't. Yeah, it really set this narrative apart from all of the superhero films. The fact that it was a battle of the minds, essentially, in the end, it's almost like you know, Guardians of the Galaxy at the end. Like, um, it's not a punch out with them against Ronan. It's like their bond as a family and stuff like that yeah um and like them taking the power uh, upon themselves instead of just like who can punch this guy the hardest yeah literally Um, like i liked the way that wonder woman spoke to maxwell and like i liked the twist that she was also being broadcast to everybody through him and like she literally became like the beacon of hope that she had become in the first film but she was still sort of like she was a beacon of hope to like a small amount of people that were there to see her. Whereas now, like she revealed herself to the world, she put herself out there. Like she understood that she wasn't alone in the world and stuff like that. If she has everybody else around her and like all this sort of stuff, and she was able to speak and reason with the people and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, while also like talking to Maxwell Lord as well. I thought that was really good. Yeah, the uh the sneaky lasso of truth around the ankle was a uh good move. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe if we had seen that a little bit more settled cuz for all we could see the lasso had failed. Um so maybe like if we had seen that it worked a bit better than that maybe. Um yeah. like it it felt like uh, uh well. <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, like that was sort of like a minor thing to achieve a greater goal, you know what I mean? So I didn't mind it. No, no, not at all. Um, did you feel that the? Um, oh, sorry, not. No, I was about to ask you a question that wasn't going to make sense. Um, with the whole flying thing, 
Was it that she learnt to fly, like fly fly, or was it just that she learnt how to kind of glide through the air kind of a thing? Because um, th- that was like, they, they obviously made a point of it because of what Steve said to her about um, about learning to fly. But like, she was using the lasso to kind of propel herself and then she was like kind of gliding I think that was her learning it, and then after that, like, she sort of figured out how to fly. Like, she is a god at the end of the... Well, she's a demigod, isn't she? Yeah. Um, So, and in certain versions of the character in the comic books, she can fly and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. I think that was more... It was... I think maybe she was holding herself back, almost, um, because she always tied flying to Steve... And it was only once she let go, she realized that being able to fly and being able to do that and having the belief in herself to do that was going to keep the connection to Steve there instead of being like like a sad reminder that he's gone. Like it was like when she's above the clouds and she's she can fly that she's with him and like he's still with her. Yeah. Um, like that's why like when we see her then flying by herself, like that was like such an emotional thing. Like we just had Steve leaving again um when she had to renounce and choose to give up steve this time which i think we all saw coming straight away Mm -hmm. um but it didn't make it any easier when it happened like it was really emotional like having somebody leave your life is hard enough but having to choose for somebody to leave your life is even harder Mm -hmm. um so then we that goes straight into the scene of her learning to fly and that's her keeping Steve in her life. Um so I I really enjoyed that. Um also speaking of flying, we got the invisible jet, which I never well, thought yeah. we were ever going to see. That's what I was about to uh get you to talk about because you got a bit excited by the invisible jet, didn't you? <laughs> it was just it was just such a weird, deep cut, nerdy thing that I was like what they're actually doing this like like that was like the one big moment in this film i was like literally they could do anything at this point how have they managed to bring in wonder woman's invisible jet that was uh you know just how she got access to that uh (laughs) well she stole it (laughs) but it was just like you know she works at a museum um, oh, sorry, not a museum, but the where Smithsonian. They, yeah, but then she just gets uh, access to this fighter pile, like these fighter jets, and can just well, the, access the uh, where where that is in the military yeah, base. Well, uh, well, it wasn't a military base; it was part of the Smithsonian. So the Smithsonian is like they are basically like the biggest museum, like archiver of history in america so Ah. they literally like they they have divisions for everything like they try to archive some sort of history of everything that they can so that includes like vehicles and stuff like that you know how like science and industry museum in the uk has like the section dedicated to vehicles and stuff like that oh so they have that so that was like a smithsonian thing so because she had a security pass that's how she got into the building and stuff like although it's not her area and then they basically just stole it. It wasn't like she just like ran onto a military base and like, oh, I'm going to steal a plane. It's like, oh, yes, we have all these jets and stuff like that. And they had some of like World War II planes and stuff like that that Steve, she probably thought Steve might have gone for. And then he was just there like kid in the candy store like, oh, I'm going to take a fighter jet. Yeah, yeah. 
um when she was like just the invisibility thing like just uh, that me, was a bit like huh? came out of nowhere <laughs> literally like <laughs> like hang on like, it was like oh yeah but my father hid themiscura it's like wait hang on your father hid like an entire continent and and or whatever like a civilization are you just gonna really quickly reference that and just create an invisible bubble with your hand <laughs> and all of a sudden the, the, i was like all right <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I was like, that's dumb, but he got us the invisible jet so I'm okay. Cause yeah. I thought when we when she went into a like a hangar and I was like, we're gonna get some like, you know, like crappy like, you know, X X Men thing is just there, like, oh, this is a super like secret ultra high tech prototype from the eighties where we're trying to perfect invisibility on fighter jets and stuff like that. I thought it was gonna be like that, and then they just start flying in a normal jet and I'm like okay, we're not getting the invisible jet. And then she's like, oh, yes, well, my dad is Zeus, basically. Like, they won't say it, but they keep basically hinting at it. Like, in the first one, it wasn't 100% confirmed, but it was, like, 99.9% confirmed. And then in this one, she's like, oh, yes, my father. (laughs) He could hide an entire island, so I'm going to hide a fighter jet. (laughs) It was, was, like, dumb, but in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It, you'd allow it because it was like, okay, yeah, okay, I get what you get. What you're doing, <laughs> yeah. Um, and after that point, like when they were gonna go see what that uh, Mayan guy or whatever like that, and he's like meant to be like into all like this god stuff and stuff. I was like, oh, watch this now be like a Doctor Fate just appears or something like a low tier. Like it's gonna be this guy that they refer to as a doctor and then you see Doctor Fate's helmet in the background or something. Yeah. Or Constantine. I was like, oh like at that point I was like they could do anything. Just like a real quick light reference to it. Yeah, because we had like started to get teasers of like Brother Eye being in there and stuff. I loved the way his eye started to distort and stuff like that. And I was like, is that a hint to Brother Eye? Because Maxwell Lord always uses Brother Eye. Mm. I was like, hmm. And then, and then like when they were talking about it, I was like, wait, is that satellites on that board in the background? <laughs> and then when I was like, okay, they didn't call it Brother Eye, but it did the same sort of thing. I was like, fair play, they're doing it. They know where this character is from. Um, what, I, I was surprised there wasn't any kind of... I mean, you already had a lot between Maxwell Lord, Cheetah, um, Wonder Woman. You had all the you know Steve Trevor back. But I was surprised that they didn't go a little bit heavier on the, um, the references to the wider DC universe. With well, at this like... point in the 80s, there isn't really much else in that DC universe because everything sort of starts in the 2000s, doesn't it? Ah, true, yeah. True. Um, and also, I think when they were writing the script for this, they sort of didn't know where things stood at the time. Mm. So I was, I was like, it kind of made sense that it kind of left it untouched. I think it doesn't make sense as much that nukes get fired, nukes keep appearing and disappearing, and the whole world, <laughs> literally the whole world went to shit, and yet doesn't seem to have changed the world in any way in all the other DC films, which is why I think it sort of stands on itself at the moment. Yeah, but that's also, because... Also, it's never really had chance to come up in the other DC films. Well, that's because the world's got physical plot armour on, Chris, so you can't just all yeah. of a sudden have the world blow up by nukes, it... because it's the 80s and it's in the past. Well, no, I wasn't expecting it to get blown up, but it was like... Never in any of the films was like, hmm, do you remember all that time that like a hundred thousand nukes were launched around the world? 
<laughs> remember when everybody but, went crazy and everyone got like, all the wishes granted? Do you remember when some random guy just uh, owned a uh, owned a nuclear weapon? No, that was a thing. Do you remember when wars got built up around Cairo? <laughs> <laughs> and then they just disappeared. Yeah, they just crumbled and made a new river. Um, yeah, but it's like... Also, like that's the thing when you're doing prequels. It's like how many times has stuff like that happened in Marvel and stuff like that, where it's just there, like, oh yes, this massive world changing event happened before, but nobody mentioned it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a because big we only thing. decided in the future that we wanted something to happen in the past. <laughs> time travel. <laughs> that's the next thing they need to do to explain everything is just time travel. I mean, we got the Flash coming up, so. Yeah, the Flash will uh, probably reference a lot of the stuff. Oh, imagine if they go back to the 80s and they see all that stuff happening and then he's like, but nobody <laughs> mentioned this in my timeline. <laughs> but, uh, what else uh, we should we talk about, about Cheetah? We haven't really talked about Cheetah yet and that transformation. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, I really enjoyed, like I said, I really enjoyed Kristen Wiig's performance in this and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed the the Barbara performance for, for the most part throughout the beginning of it. Um, yeah. The cheetah transformation, it's not for very long, is it? You don't, I mean, it That's looks cool. That's why I thought, like, that fight was very short and hard to follow. That's my one downside. Like, the editing and that was way too hard to follow. It's like they wasted the cheetah, like, actual embodiment of cheetah and the, uh, like, the golden eagle armor. Yeah, but the like, other thing They is, both felt yeah. a bit wasted. The other thing is, is because the cheetah thing was granted from a wish, and if we're going off... Um, comic book logic right now the actual cheetah thing is actually a, a curse isn't it isn't it the curse of the cheetah or something i remember you yeah. telling me about yeah 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 especially nowadays like it's definitely like it's a curse but it's a curse that barbara has now chosen to keep um because like she feels as long as she has the curse she's protecting other people from having this curse because somebody needs to have it so she's sort of like a tortured villain at the moment. She's not so much as like an evil, maniacal villain anymore. Um, but because, I think- because it's a wish, you haven't got that potential of it coming back now, I guess. Well, I'm I'm confused by this. So we saw at the end that it was undone. But she made that wish on the stone before... Max absorbed the stone, so I don't know whether that could be like a loop to bring it back. Like Diana renounced her wish, but um, Cheetah Barbara never did. Hers it just sort of faded after Max renounced his. Mm. Although no, because no, because the wish before that was that she wanted she wanted to be more like Diana, didn't she? Whereas then the wish to become cheetah was afterwards she got that from max as a second wish didn't she yeah because she she wanted to be the an apex predator yeah that was her so did she so i don't know so did she unwish the apex predator bit or did she unwish the whole lot i'm I'm guessing the way they're going to work it like the dreamstone is out of play now so everything got reverted Mm, okay fair enough um yeah so yeah. I don't know if we'll ever see Cheetah again. We could possibly see Barbara again and have them as more of like the friendship role that they had before Barbara turned into the Cheetah. Yeah. Um, which I really liked their friendship and I liked their relationship and I liked the fact that although like this is meant to be like an empowering story for women and stuff like that, 
Um, Patty Jenkins is also not afraid to make a woman a villain in this as well. Yeah. Um, and we see that to begin with, she's a vi- she's a victim of circumstance, and that's why she starts to become a villain. Like she's sort of like downtrodden, and that's why she becomes like that until it gets to a point where the greed takes over and that was like one of the main themes in the film that we talked about was greed and stuff mm-hmm. um so she she like it was the whole thing about absolute power corrupts absolutely doesn't it yeah so when you can have any wish literally like you are like the ultimate being that's what happened to maxwell lord like he got everything that he wanted but he wasn't content with that at that point he could have everything so he wanted everything um and she, uh, like, Barbara sort of had the same thing. Like, she became this, like, super attractive, like... Like, the thing is, the thing that she wished for in her first wish, she had all that anyway. The only extra thing was getting Diana's superpowers. Yeah. Um, well, it was more about the perception that people had of her, right? That was exactly. The... Um, and I think that was a really interesting narrative that they went for. Like, they weren't afraid to tell that sort of narrative that is like... In any other film, like it would probably be criticized that oh, she had to make a wish to be like this super sexy character and all that sort of stuff. But to begin with, she doesn't. She just starts changing a few things and she finds confidence in herself. And that's why she starts to change until the wish starts to take hold and takes the negative turn as well. Yeah, and that yeah. bit's pretty. I'd say that bit's probably done in quite good taste because that could yeah. have been a bit, bit uh, exactly. Cringer. Like in most other films, it would probably be criticized, but the way they handled it. I think was pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, um, I do think that final transformation though was a bit wasted. Like maybe if we saw a bit of a slower transformation. Um, yeah. What do you think about Diana losing her powers? Um, it added st- that added stakes. That was yeah. good. And the bit that I was talking about at the very beginning was the bit where she gets like proper KO'd by uh, Barbara in the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that bit. Like I said, it added stakes to what was going on. Well, you saw complete role reversals, didn't you? Like Diana at the beginning of the film when she saved Barbara and stuff like that, and like Barbara, like Diana puts herself like she knows she's more powerful than Barbara and stuff like that. So like they had opposite ends of the relationship, and then in that point, Barbara, like Diana, was where Barbara was at the beginning of the film, and yeah. it showed a difference of how Diana treated Barbara to how Barbara treated Diana once she was in that position of power. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it it is it is a trope in superhero books and stuff like that, or like anything really, unlike the hero's journey type thing of, um, like at some point you have to do a story where they lose all the powers and they strip back to basics because it's the only way that you could get like a new threat, like once they're more powerful than everything that they've ever encountered, how can they not be powerful? It's to strip them back completely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like it was tropey and I felt like uh, it has been done a million times, but the way they did it and the way that she was willing for that to happen, to keep Steve for so long until he was like, like, although you get me, like the world loses you. Hmm. So I, th- I think that was like a good way of twisting both those narratives together. Um, I was Diana sort of realizing that like she doesn't have to be defined by a lost love. Um, she can still carry on her life and stuff like that and carry on afterwards. And like that is something that gives her strength is her love for Steve. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. 
and like you said it did add stakes as well like it wasn't just typical to say like oh they need to lose all the powers but then they learn that the power was in them all along it's like that's not what that story was yeah no yeah yeah um what else do we talk about with this film um it didn't end with a big fight against a gray monster surrounded by smoke it just ended with a very dark fight against cheetah that was edited way too closely and tightly no it ended Um, as a christmas film did you not pick up on that it did and i kind of loved that like (laughs) like i wasn't sure if like maybe that was maybe a reshoot or something like when they figured out that it might have been releasing at christmas time and obviously everything's happening in the world and stuff like that it like felt like a nice beacon of joy like they've that world had just been through something traumatic and you saw how everybody gathered together and like the happiness of being together and like you saw loads of families in that final moment and like diana is meant to feel alone again like she did at the end of the first one but Mm. she finds happiness in that instead of sad for being alone now she's like she's happy with the world around her and stuff like that and she finds the other guy that steve like possessed the body of (laughs) um yeah, like it felt like a nice sort of like this is sort of what our world's going through. It's going through something traumatic. Can at the end of it, we all come together and have like this big family Christmas full of love. And I think that's a perfect place to end off. <laughs> <laughs> if you need me to write speeches for universities and stuff like that, I am welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, what about that post credit credit sequence, eh? I fucking loved that so much. (laughs) So, the post-credits, Linda Carter is the original Amazon who sacrificed her life in the Golden Eagle armor to save the Amazons, and she's just been living in humanity, and it sort of, like, ties everything together. I was thinking, so I said this to Charlotte after we left, I was like, I knew Patty Jenkins had finally got Linda Carter in this film, but I didn't see her, and I was like, maybe I just missed her Blinkies, you miss it cameo, you know, like with all like the crowd shots and all that sort of stuff. Mm. I was like, oh, maybe I just missed it. But then like that post credits, I was like, that's like how they make you think it's Diana, and but it's not. It's not Gal Gadot. It's our original Linda Carter, Wonder Woman. But she was, she is uh, cast as Hysteria then, really. Isn't yeah, she? yeah. So it's cool. Um, she's a it, she's officially canon. She is officially canon, and that. It just filled my heart with joy that, like, I used to watch the Wonder Woman, Linda Carter show, like, round at my grandparents, and, you know, like, dreary, rainy Sunday afternoons and stuff like that. Like, that's when I remember watching it with my nan and granddad and stuff like that. Mm. So, that was a nice little moment for me. Cool. And I think that's where we leave it for the week. Wow, we've not had news or trailers, and we've talked for an hour. <laughs> I think we did a pretty good job actually discussing a film for a change instead of having loads of news and having to rush the the main subject. Maybe uh, it was good that I know it was good. It was a bit of a deep dive, really, wasn't it? It was right. We, we got deep into that film. We, we were like, oh, it's a superhero film, but we're not talking about the kicking and the punching. No. What we will talk about is that's it for the year. That's it, mate. Next podcast we record will be twenty twenty one. Start of season two. This Start, is, yeah, this is it. this is the official end of Get Real season one. Yeah, you could think of it. That <laughs> I way. mean, maybe. I mean, I always find it weird how podcasts do seasons. It's only really been a thing in like the last like six months, yeah. really, hasn't it? Seasons. Uh, we'll just call. I don't our, think 
How about we call it the second generation? <laughs> I mean, we're a film and TV podcast, so it would have to be the next generation, not the second generation. It could be it could be called the this could have been the prequel trilogy. Oh my and maybe God. next year is the original trilogy. So we need to record stuff that was released back in 2019. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, we need to go back wait, further. <laughs> wait. No, yeah, that wouldn't make sense anyway, because this is the prequel. But this is current times. So we would need to do something that's in the future. You've got to remember, Chris, it's always Pi- been a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> always hate me. <laughs> <laughs> right we uh we hope you've all had a great christmas and we hope you all have an amazing new year uh, considering new year. considering the circumstances at the moment please try and make the most of it and try and make the most of it and be safe as well um that's us done for the year thank you very 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 much from the very bottom of our both mine and chris's hearts if you've kept with us since. you don't know what's at the bottom of my heart sam Okay, from the bottom of my heart and from somewhere around Chris's uh, for sticking Void with where us. I used to have one. <laughs> for sticking with us, if you've if you've been with us for the old haul, for the whole for the for the full thing. The long haul. The long haul. If you've been with oh, us yeah. for the long haul, thank you. If you've just joined us, thank you. And um make sure you support us across all the socials. Uh get real pod. Make sure you share us with a mate. Um you know what? You know where you can check us out. You, you know where to do all that this week. I just wanted to say a big thank you for, for genuinely a year. thank you. Like, I don't think if we had hadn't got the support and like the listeners that we had done that we wouldn't still be going a year later. And it does fill my heart with joy to see that we've made it a full year. So here's for four more years. Here's four um, more years. <laughs> four more years. Well, six seasons in a movie. I'm watching maybe. Community at the moment, and that's a relevant reference for me. Maybe we'll get that sweet VPN sponsor the next year. Oh, <laughs> NordVPN, hit us up. Not a sponsor. Hashtag not a sponsor, not but a sponsor. we want you to be. Anyway. So that we can watch films from Australia and stuff. And be internet safe. Yes. That's the most anyway, important Anyway, they're thing. not a sponsor. They're not a sponsor. Let's not give them any more promotion, but <laughs> you never know, guys. If you share us out enough and we get popular enough, maybe we can get a sponsorship and make this, like, make this more than just a hobby? That'd be pretty Because this crazy. is just a hobby for us at the moment. We do love doing it. Yeah, it is a hobby at the minute. We Look, we do this because we love doing it, and we talk about films anyway, so we may as well whack a microphone in front of us and talk about <laughs> it while we while we can share it out with other people. Maybe like-minded people. I don't know, maybe people listen to this and then think, who are these two idiots? <laughs> they're, they're not qualified enough to talk <laughs> these about... These guys like the new Wonder Woman film. <laughs> <laughs> they're not qualified enough to talk about bloody films and TV shows and... <laughs> But maybe, maybe we just resonate with you just about enough. Just enough. Just enough. And that's all we want. Take care, guys. We'll see you in 2021. And Happy New Year. Bye-bye now. Stay safe.